Hello and welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast, where you get a refreshing, uplifting and optimistic perspective on life in your 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and I'm delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's jump right in. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast. It is fabulous to see you here again. And today I'm delighted because I have a very special guest with me called Heather Webster. And Heather and I have connected through podcasting, actually. And as we connected through podcasting, we have found more and more and more in common. So I'm hoping today is going to be such a fun conversation. So hello, Heather. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You are so welcome. I'm so excited that you're here too. (laughs) So Heather, what I'd love to do is, you know that I have my series of questions that I ask people. I would love you to start by introducing who you are and yeah, what you do. Tell us about you and then we will dive into the nitty gritty. Sounds good. So I have had quite the path, um, but one thing that has always stood out through my whole path is that I'm an educator. It started out as being an educator for young children. It's what I thought I was always going to be. And then as I've started to dive into more and more of the healing world, I've realized that I can still be that educator. I'm always going to be that educator at heart. So I am a mix between the educator, a health coach, a mindful outdoor guide, and anything else I love to learn about. So I am always a learner as well. So always taking in information. My main purpose in life is really working with women and working around self-confidence, self-love, and self-connection so that they can really like start tapping into their intuition and their dreams and what they want for themselves. So that's kind of in a nutshell who I work with and what I love and have found to be my passion. Fantastic. Now, have you always known that? So I didn't. So it's interesting. When I was younger, (laughs) I remember being so fascinated with astrology And it wasn't just like the horoscopes from the 17 magazine, right? Those were always fun to read for fun. But I remember having these gigantic astrology books and kind of looking through them and being really fascinated with astrology. But as society will have it, right, that was looked at as like, well, that's kind of like, oh, yeah, you can read your horoscope, but that's not something that's kind of mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of separate a little bit from that. um, And, but I was still super connected through nature. So my whole childhood, everything that's always come for me, come around me, enveloped me, either whatever way you look at it, it's Mm. been nature. So whenever I needed anything, the forest was there for me. The pond was Mm. there for me the animals were there for me. And it's as I've been diving into it more as an adult that I realize how much I went there to become connected when I was feeling disconnected and what was happening in my everyday. Mm -hmm. So if I was lacking self-confidence or if I was having a hard time with my family, I would go outside, I would climb a tree I remember so back in the day, right? We had corded phones, like it was attached to a a wall. 
And I remember like, I like to walk around a lot when I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out we had cordless phones. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And like my cordless phone, the way the place it was in the house, it could reach to a tree that was close by. And it's interesting because when you're a teenager and you want to be on the phone all the time, but you also want to climb trees and have quiet and be away from people so they don't hear your conversations, you can Mm -hmm. climb a tree when the tree is nearby. But what's interesting, and I'm just realizing this now, I never needed to pace when I was in the tree. I could sit completely still and talk on the phone. I didn't realize that until just now, (laughs) even to this day. Even to this day, I pace when I'm on the phone, but when I'm out in nature, I'm so grounded. Oh, that's so cool. So do you still get to climb trees? If I can, if I can find trees. So it's interesting, right? Because when you're a kid, you can, you can climb the trees where you can reach the branches, right? So it's like, but the branches don't have to be as big Mm -hmm. because they have less weight to hold. Yeah. (laughs) And now like the trees... Like if I go back to where I, when I was a child and the trees that I would climb, they're so much older now. Cause yeah. now that I'm in my forties, right. They've been growing for quite a while, but I still do try to find trees that I can climb. I do a lot more like conversation with trees or hugging trees, or uh, I now, when I go into the forest to go for a hike, I will ask permission mm-hmm. first and then thank them for allowing me to be there. And but yeah, I still, I would still climb a tree if I had the opportunity and I, I it makes it easier when you're with children. Cause then you could be like, Oh, let's all climb the tree. Yeah. What a good idea. Let's all do that. So it's funny that you say that actually, cause I've just come back from a trip in England and I was staying with my sister in London and she lives close to a very old and very large cemetery and it has walking paths through it. And you could, it's a mile all the way around. So, I mean, that's how big it is. And so the days that I was there, that's where I would go. And, and it's always been the case whenever I've stayed with her. I would always go run there, go walk there. And it's quiet enough that you can go and do yoga there. So I do that. But one day I'd been particularly busy and I really needed to just calm down some just being in the city environment stress. because I'm just not used to that now. And so I just stood in the cemetery hugging a tree <laughs> in right. the middle of London. I was like, nobody knows who I am anyway. Doesn't really matter. but. It just felt so good. Yeah. I just needed to ground. Yeah. And it's amazing, right? Because we're all connected, whether it be the trees. I know a lot of times um, in mindful outdoor training that I went to, we talk a lot about calling them like tree people or like the animal, like the hawk people or the fox people, right? Or just talking about the more than human world and that there's so mm-hmm. much more than just who we are. We are part of nature. We are animals just like the animals that we might not want in our yard or we do want in our yard. Um, and so I think sometimes we as humans put ourselves higher up mm-hmm. than what the world is around us and the nature and all the trees and everything else, but yet we wouldn't be alive if that was gone. Yeah. And so hugging a tree or just connecting with that, I think if someone is feeling disconnected to the people around them, they can feel connected. I mean, I think they've actually done research about this, right. Mm -hmm. Of looking at the brain and looking at what physically happens when you wrap your arms around a tree Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I think, yeah. The research just recently came out about how, if you go out and you're in nature, some of that same connection that you get and that feeling you get from being with people mm-hmm. can come up. And so you feel less lonely and you feel more connected. Oh, very cool. That's really worth knowing, isn't it? I tell it you is. what, it would have been worth knowing before in COVID when you couldn't connect with people, but you could, you could get outside for a walk depending on where you yes. were. And I think it's one of those things that people innately knew it yeah. because we were flooded up here. It's kind of a running joke of like, now I won't go out in any of the more popular places in the white mountains because there's, unless you're going during the week or later in the day, it's packed and, you, it's packed. and it has been packed since the beginning of COVID. Cause it was a place people could be safe. Mm. And it's tricky because it's one of those things that I look at how amazing that is that children and families that might not have been getting outside are now getting outside, Mm -hmm. but it's also doing, it's impacting the land because too many people are going to the same places that are visited at like, there's a, (laughs) there's a line of cars to get into this one location in North Conway. No way. I've been there on holiday. Yes. So that's not far from me. I'm I'm about 40 minutes south of there. And there's a place called Diana's Baths that they had to we now they had <laughs> they now had to put signs up because people were parking on the side of the road. And Ooh. it got to the point where it got so dangerous and so overpacked that it was impacting the land so much. So now it's like you can only park in the parking lot. So people will line up with their cars. And I've been there. Cause I was mm. like, I want to, I want to go here today. And mm. I know later in the day, so people are going to be leaving faster. They'll line up their cars and wait to come in. So there's like a line to get into, which in one way is fantastic, mm. but it's, so I think people innately know that they can be more connected mm. by being outside. And that that was a way of healing during mm. a time of such stress Uh, And just thinking about how to do that responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember that was one of the first things that we really connected about was how much we both enjoyed the outdoors for healing and for, well, for adventure, for everything. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting because when I first started coming up to New Hampshire, so I lived, I grew up hiking with my dad and it was very much, I remember my brother and I, We would go out with my dad and there was a group of older men that Mm -hmm. always got together to go hiking because it was part of a preservation kind of group or something like that. And so they would get together and we went because my dad went Mm -hmm. and we were like the only kids there. And so my brother and I were literally leaping from rock to rock to rock, (laughs) as we right? Like how kids do it, right? You run and you jump from rock to rock and try not to get on the ground. And then we'd look back and we'd see they were further back. So we'd jump back all the way back and then we would do it again. And so that was like such a cool memory to remember that. And like how my dad gave us the love of being outside in nature in that way. Mm -hmm. But never did he, I don't ever remember him saying things like, oh, slow down, be careful. Oh, be careful of this. Oh, just, it was just kind of like he knew because we were outside so much that our proprioception was great. Yeah, He knew that we could know what was safe and not safe. I was going to say, you gauge your own safety and your own limits. Yes. We always knew to look back and be like, oh, they're too far back. We need to go back. But it Mm. was never, it was never 
mentioned to us. So like fast forward to, I was coming up here on such a regular basis because I was constantly needing the mountains and getting out and hiking. But what I was doing was I was reaching for, there's something called the New Hampshire 48 and it's the 48, it's the 4,000 footers and there's 48 of them. And so I was coming up from Rhode Island every couple weekends and spending the weekend and getting in as many of those summits as I could. Right. And I was doing that on a regular basis. I'm like, okay, it's time to move to New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. I moved at a perfect time because I wasn't able to, I moved up here in 2019. Right. And then right after that, I wasn't going to be able to see my family in Rhode Island anyway. Yeah. So it might not be up here. And as I was kind of going through that process of going to the mountains to reach the summit every single time, I started to not really enjoy it as much. I loved it when I got to the summit mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I'm never doing that again. in the next day, <laughs> like, Oh, what one can I reach next? Right. So yeah. I was always reaching for that goal, but I realized I was not actually being connected to where I was to the journey, to the journey. And so once I started doing the mindful outdoor guide piece of really stepping into how are you outside and how can you be present and really how can you tap into the world around you? Mm-hmm. I started to enjoy even being on my own land. Ah, cool. Right? Like being in my own yard, I have a couple acres of a little over a couple acres of land. And now I just enjoy just being outside and finding a spot to sit mm-hmm. or seeing what's blooming, see what I can smell, what I can t- like all of these kind of things. And I started looking into foraging classes and all of that. And as that has developed, I still like reaching a summit, but that's not the goal when I get there. But if I reach it, great. But I'm also going to allow myself to take time to stop and look at a creature that I might see yeah, or take in a message that I might hear. Or if I want to stop and have a nice like lunch or snack, I'm not going to be like, I have to rush to the top, eat as quick as I can, and then book it out of there because it's going to get dark. It's more just let's be in the moment. Very nice. So with that and with that learning of being outdoors, how have you then translated that into other areas of your life? Yeah, so I think... That's a great question. Um, And I think this is why I love podcasts, right? Because it helps me (laughs) in different ways, right? Mm. I didn't even realize that I do that. I do that on a regular basis. And so part of it started with my gratitude for the outside, right? And so really being in gratitude when I'm outside. I didn't realize that I did that first before I started my gratitude practice inside. Ah, cool. And now that like, I think about that, right. So it was more I'm like, okay, I used to just, it was just very, it wasn't even like, I wouldn't even say it was a gratitude practice that I knew I was doing, but I did like, I would sit there and just be grateful. I was in the presence of, you know, that crazy chipmunk that's eating that acorn mm-hmm. or eating that pine cone. Now I am realizing like that was gratitude mm-hmm. and now bringing it inside to even thinking about when I'm washing the dishes, which I think I've said this on a lot of podcasts, I hate doing the dishes, right? All my friends know I hate doing the dishes. And so (laughs) really thinking about like, I get, I get the opportunity to wash the dishes, 
Mm-hmm. I get to feel the temperature of the water. I have water. Yeah. You have hot water. I have, I have hot water. I have dishes. And so like, that's one way it's really carried over. And I think the other way, and it's what I'm working with women a lot around is this idea of intuition. Uh, I think it's very ingrained and women can tap into their intuition. I think much more than men, that feminine energy, I think makes Mm -hmm. it a little easier to tap in. Uh, But I think a lot of women haven't tapped in as they get older because they're so busy or they're not seeing those signs. They might pick up that signal of, Ooh, this is dangerous Mm -hmm. because that's going to come like a blow to the stomach. Yeah. Versus like that message that might come through that says something like, look up. Yeah. Or, oh, look at this picture over here. This is where you're supposed to go. Oh, didn't Mm. you remember you saw that same thing over here? But they might not pick up on that. Um, And so a lot of my messages come when I'm outside. Mm -hmm. And even during that experience that I went on during mindful outdoor experience where I was outside for six hours and the whole idea was just be as slow as you can go for a walk, stop, journal, meditate, continue, do whatever, whatever feels right. Take off your shoes. If that feels right, at least four or five messages came in on a regular basis during that six hours. So, I was I, say, so they just set you off for six hours outside and just gave you that much instruction. Yeah. Well, so we had been practicing how to be a mindful outdoor guide. And so we were all on our own land because it was during COVID. We were on our own, we were on our own land of wherever we wanted to go. So I went to an area not too far away from me. It's like a half hour. And the idea was to practice sit spots and to walk. And then we would come back and talk at council that night. And so everybody was kind of in spaces that they really knew. Yeah. And it was amazing because I decided to go barefoot. It was November. It was cold. I mean, I went to a place that was pretty busy anyway, but it was phenomenal to really, and we had already been in the training probably through like four or five weekends by then. So we had done a lot of the work on our own land before that as well. And I just remember being in that spot. And I think that's when it really hit like, these messages have been coming in regularly and I haven't heard them. And you've ignored them. Well, you haven't heard them. them. Yeah. And so the fact that like, here I am on a six hour journey Mm. and maybe went maybe two miles. And it's like the, where I picked is like, it goes in a circle, but then you can go off and do it. I'd gone on this land quite a bit for hiking and stuff. So I knew the land really well. So I knew which kind of where I could go. And also knowing that, if I was running out of time, I could bolt it out of there and get mm. back in time. But it was that moment when I was like, there's so much coming at us. And it's not until you get quiet and have mm. the, allow yourself to be quiet that you can start to hear them. And now in my every day, those messages are coming even when things are busy. And so uh, nice. I had to have quiet to start to hear it. Yeah. But it's almost I like, I was going to say, sorry, it's almost like you've kind of, you've, you've dug the pathways for those messages now to come through clearly. Yes. And it's neat because now they're coming through for other people as well. Wow. That's awesome. 
so it's like, I, I sit in a lot of times I'll do these card readings. <laughs> My friends are always like, when are you doing the next card reading? Yeah. <laughs> well, at some point I need to start like thinking about whether this is something I want to do for a business too. Yeah. Um, but I love doing them and they're because they're so energizing mm-hmm. when you get to pick up other people's energy and really be able to share things that they might not be hearing. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll tap after asking permission, I'll tap in and say, what does this person need to know? Yeah. And the card, oh, and then I pull a card Mm -hmm. after I share that piece and the card always aligns with what I heard. Yeah. And it's so powerful. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I use cards as well in my uh, magical midlife group. I pulled a card the other day because I was doing a meditation. I went, uh, I think this probably resonates with more than me. So I think that's something that I will incorporate into the group, because if that's the card you need to see, then fair enough. Now, I love um, or something that just sprung to mind when you were saying that you had to go out for six hours. For some people to go out for six hours without the intention of how far can I walk or how high can I climb? That would have probably been the most challenging training course they'd ever done in their life, because that's tough. It's so hard. And let me tell you, I was a little nervous of whether I was doing it correctly at first. And then I was like, <laughs> I question being outside. Am I being outside correctly? I wonder. <laughs> well, Cause I was like, Oh, I'm supposed to be able to get something from this. Right. And I think that's what happens with people so often is they're like, what am I supposed to get from this? Yes. Right. And it's like, maybe it's just because worse comes to worse. I could have said after three hours, I'm done. Right. But the assignment was stay the day on the land. And walk as slow as you can. And so they had taught us about kind of fox walking, which is like walking barefoot, like trying to make it like the least amount of sound as possible. And because it was broken up between sit spots and that, and like having like, we brought tea with us. So like you could have like a little tea time while you're out there and obviously snacks and stuff. So you were able to break it up in a way, but I I completely get, cause I know there's plenty of people that I've talked to that are just like, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. And we had done a, the couple weeks before that we had done a three hour mindful outdoor guide. Like they were guiding us to it. And we were just on our own land. Cause you need to be able to get Wi-Fi because you had your little headphones in and yeah. they were guiding you. And I was like three hours on a guided meditation. How is this possible? But the time flew by. Because they really talked about using all your senses to just be with one thing. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting because they're like, pick something, just look up. And what is that thing that is calling for you to come to it? And for me, it was a fern. For me, it was a fern. Mm -hmm. And they said, go sit with that fern. Just be with that fern. Use your senses. Feel it. See what your messages are that you get from it. I don't even remember. I know I wrote it down. I forgot what the message was that I got from it, but it was, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have to sit with this thing for this long. How's this going to happen? But the time flew by. I can believe it. And I, I think, can absolutely believe it. I think that's what same thing happened with that six hours. Now for the first person that wants to do this, you don't want to go out for six hours. Oh no, no, um, no. <laughs> And a lot of times what I'll do now Unless I'm leading a mind, like if I lead in a mindful outdoor experience, I might take people out for three hours or half a day or a full day, depending on what you work into that, but you're with other people. But most of what I do now is I'll be going to an area 
and I might, my idea is I'm going hiking. Mm. And then there's moments where I say, okay, now slow down and be in the space. Or if something calls to me to say, slow down, I just slow down. Mm. If I'm not feeling that I'll speed up a little bit. Mm. So I kind of then now just be in that moment of just just do whatever feels right at that point. Mm. And if it means hiking faster then hike faster, right? Like if it means jumping over rocks, like you were as a kid, do that. Right. And so I think for anybody starting out where they're just starting to spend time outside in a more mindful way, just do what feels right. And if you find yourself kind of in this rush, slow it down. I was finding that when I went with other people, mm my inner talk, my inner dialogue was so negative. Really? What do you mean? Tell me more. Yeah. So I was going with people. Now, none of them ever made me feel bad. So I'll preface it with that. But in my head, because I'm a very slow hiker, I've always been a slow hiker. I like, yeah, I'm just a slow hiker and I'm okay with it. And I've sped up over time, but I, I'm okay with it because I'm enjoying kind of what's around me. Mm-hmm. And I love, I've always loved taking pictures, but a lot of the people that I know that hike are fast. Yeah. And so my inner dialogue is you're too slow. You're not in shape enough. This is, they're not going to have fun. They want to go faster. And all of this was happening that then I hated the hike. Wow. And it was all going on in your head. It didn't actually matter what the surrounding was. Yeah. Oh, welcome to real life. (laughs) And so that's why I love working with women around self-confidence and self-love because they're all stories. That's so cool. That's so insightful. I love that, Heather. It's, it's so powerful of like, this is just a story. He doesn't care. He's fine with where I am. He doesn't. So a lot of times now I'm like, Oh, you want to go for a hike? Let's let's bring your child with us because I know they're slow too. Oh, <laughs> always good to use the children to hide behind. Love that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at this butterfly, right? And I realized in those moments that I really enjoyed being in that moment and not mm. be like, oh my gosh, it's a rush to get up. Cause then all you're thinking about, and then it's all about like, what are you going to have as your celebratory dinner that you made it up the mountain versus like, yeah. Rather than being in the mountain, being in the mountain, right. It's all more of like, let's get it done and check it off the box. And that didn't feel right. And it, but in the time, in the moment it felt right. And now I'm like, okay, this is why I'm supposed to be here. That is such a fantastic metaphor. It totally is. in the fact that you're rushing, most people in ordinary life are rushing to get to something. Yes. And actually, if you slow down, take it easy and smell the flowers, smell the roses, look at the butterflies, then you beat yourself up for the process. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, like you're doing that? something wrong. Yeah. It's because it's not, you know, the fastest, most efficient, got to get there kind of route. Cool. So there is this whole movement, is it called slow living? Yes. And they're finding, right? I think they're finding that this, it, the people that slow down are more successful when they finally slow down, right? And so like, if you have that person who's rushing and rushing and rushing, they need to have that time outside to really figure out, I'm not when I say outside, I mean, it could be outside, outside, but yeah. outside of that experience mm. to actually come up with the solutions. And I find that with myself too. Like if I'm in the middle of a project, yeah. 
and it's not coming to fruition. It's not like, I can't figure out kind of how to solve the problem. Yeah. But if I go for a walk. Oh, right. Absolutely. It's like, there it is. And yeah. I think that's what people are starting to realize that when you're rushing, 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 you're just keeping busy, but mm. you're not getting anything done. That's worth I mean, you might be getting things done, but you're not getting things done that are going to be meaningful and you might not be able to solve that problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah. I mean, it's almost as if there's different speeds for different tasks. So if you just need to get a bunch of stuff done, then if you start doing that slow living, it might be more mindful, but you're not going to get that bunch of stuff done. If you need to solve problems or you need to reduce stress or you need to be creative, then rushing from thing to thing to thing is not going to serve the purpose, but slowing right down. That's when you slow right down. Yep. I think of, um, I don't know if you've, you had these books when you were younger or your kids did, but if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. I've seen those. Right. And it's like, he gets the cookie, but then he needs the milk. So he never actually finishes any task (laughs) because he moves on to the next. And I find myself sometimes doing that when I'm cleaning, it's like you go in one room And you start to do that task, but then you find that one thing that has to go to the other room. And then you're like, oh, there's that. Right. And I think of that as almost in that way, what you're talking about, where it's like you rush, 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 Mm. and you get a bunch of little things done, Yeah, but you don't actually get one. You don't actually complete any task Yeah, until you come full circle and then you might, but, but if you slow down and say, okay, right now, this is my task and this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I would have a hard time with that to some degree. I think I like to do the jumping around a little bit. (laughs) And that might just be how you get things done. I mean, everybody has their own technique for doing things. And if you're not achieving what you want to achieve, or you're not doing the things that you want to do. Right. Well, I wonder like, so my way of cleaning is I like to rearrange. So I like to bring everything out. And I think about like, how does this relate to kind of what I Right. So it's almost like that healing process, a little bit of like bring it all out and then reorganize what should go back in. Yes. And decluttering and pretty yes. much everything. And like you do for like the cleansing when you go on your journeys for people. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because when people say, you know, I need to achieve this next thing, I'm like, well, that's fine, but let's just wind it back a little bit because there's no room to achieve anything else right now. You've got no room for creativity. Let's go and clean out the closet for all of those beliefs that you've held, you know, the, I walk too slowly, they're going to think I'm unfit, blah, blah, blah. Let's get rid of all of those first. And then there's some room and we can actually fill that room with some new inspiration. Right. Well, and one of the things that they've been talking about recently, um, I say they like, you know, podcasts or whatever here, right. Researchers, the wise ones. Yes. (laughs) The great wise ones. In the the great wise yeah. one. It comes in all our, our different yeah. shapes and sizes, right? And what I heard recently was, right, so they're doing research to show kind of if you leave your cell phone somewhere, you know where your cell phone is. Right. Most of the time, like you kind of have an idea where it is. And so what they've been studying and researching is, do you have a place in your brain for every object you own? So if I said right now, go to the closet and grab a scarf, you know where that is. And so it goes along with that decluttering is that if you have 
if your brain is constantly knowing where everything is that you own, as you start to get rid of things, you open up more space in your brain to do oh, other things. My goodness. Less anxious, less stuff going on, more connected with the world, more connected with yourself. Cool. <laughs> I'm just a bit like, oh. So right, when I heard that too. Yeah. So does that go along with Einstein saying of a busy desk is a busy mind or something like that? Yeah, I would say that's probably pretty similar, right? Because you know where like when the desk. You can look at that in two ways, can't you? Because you can either say, well, an empty mind actually is a mind ready for creativity. Or you can say an empty mind is because you've got nothing in there. Yeah. From our perspective, having nothing in there is a good thing. It's what you're aiming for because you're not cluttered. Right. And I wonder if that in. In relation to Einstein, if at some point he did have, because I think, I mean, he had so much going in many different directions, right? And it's how he was able to bring up things. I wonder what his life was like when he came up with those inventions or those ideas or those thoughts. Like, was it that he was out and about in a a more mindful state and then he had that idea and then his desk was so busy because he had so many different things that he was writing down that it came to him. Yeah. And also yeah. some of those discoveries will have come about by accident. He'd be looking for something else. You hear about discoveries that happen because they were actually looking for something else or actually creating something else. And the byproduct was lo and behold, something really useful and life-changing. Right. I think like yeah. penicillin and some of those other exactly. things, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's really Interesting because I've been going into diving into more of the manifestation things because work, because I feel right that gratitude, intuition, connection, and manifestation are almost like this bubble in a way, right? Like they need each other to make the other thing work. And then you have this whole idea around the law of attraction that, Mm -hmm. right, the spirit, the universe, whoever it is that kind of you believe in or what you believe in the vortex that it wants you to succeed. So if you put that out there and you believe it, emotionally believe it, not just put it out there and say, I want a new job, Mm -hmm. but you live the life that you would live if you had that new job Mm -hmm. or right. So you're in that emotional feeling of what that would look like. (laughs) I also always talk about like, if you want a million dollars, don't quite yet live that you have the million dollars to go out and spend a million dollars, but like live, like imagine what that would look like. Yeah. You live the feeling. Yes. And right. And you can't live that feeling if you haven't created connection with yourself, if you haven't, because you're still in that, oh, I don't deserve it. And so I've been really fascinated. I just started reading um, one of the books by... Well, Abraham Hicks, Hicks, right, mm-hmm. is the, the person that comes through. I, I haven't quite figured out if the last name is Hicks or whether Abraham is Abraham. No, no, is Abraham a, is the group. Um, Abraham yes. is the energy, the group, the, the council, yes. as it were. And Esther Hicks is the channeler. Yes. And which is like, right, so fascinating. How many more people are out there that can do this work? Mm-hmm but have never tapped in. I just was reading her story about how it it's all fascinating. happened. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, like she didn't even believe any of it. It's kind no, of like what we were just talking about. What book, what is the book I'm reading? It's very fascinating. It's uh, ask and it's given. Yeah. Learning to manifest your desires. 
And it's just so powerful. And I know, I mean, in the podcasting group too, we've been talking a little bit about like making your dreams come true. Mm. Right. And it's one of the things that I think women particularly don't always feel like they have the right to ask for things. It's funny because I have gone from a house with three, uh, with three children. So two boys and my youngest daughter and it's interesting because now both the boys have gone, one's at university, one's in England. Um, and so it's just my daughter at home. And so it's made me a lot more conscious now of, am I speaking to her in an empowering way? Now that it's just because quite often, you know, if my husband's not around or he's working or he's out with dogs or whatever, it's her and I. And am I speaking to her in an empowering way? And do I speak to her in the same way that I would speak to the boys? Obviously, they're all individuals, but am I giving her the same messages? And there's no reason that I shouldn't be. But because I'm starting to think about all of this more, I'm really unraveling it to make sure that I am giving her the most empowering messages. And some of them are going to be different than what I've said to the boys, because still in society, they have a different path carved out for them. Unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, but so I'm being really cognizant of how I speak to her about going for her goals, going for her dreams and being confident to ask for what she wants. Right. And especially now that she's the only child in the house, there is an element of, yes, you can ask what you want. Absolutely. And am I responding the same way that I would have responded when there were three of them in the house? Right. Well, we even talked about like um, when I was an educator for preschool, one of the things that we talked about a lot with the other educators when I was a director of the program was when a girl comes in, it's not about saying, oh, you look so beautiful today. Mm. It's about, tell me about your morning. Wow. Oh, look how, look at that. You were able to do that. That's you used your brain. That was super smart to do it that way. Right. Because women, girls come in and you just, people talk about their image and when boys come in, they talk about their smarts or their strength. And it's it's very interesting to see as they get older how that becomes kind of part of who they are. Oh, my goodness. That's frightening, isn't it? But you're absolutely right. It's so powerful because it happens and you wonder why people have a hard time with their identity or figuring out when they get older, like their self-confidence of if somebody would. So I know when I lived in South Korea for a year, they're plastic surgery is a huge thing for them. Like mm. they're the top country for plastic surgery because they want to get their, they want to look more white. So they get the eyelids fixed. Um, and I wow. say fixed, but it's not fixed, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they change their appearance. And it's also one of those things. And now this is just stereotyping and this was 10 years ago. So yeah, hopefully enough. it's, ch- it's changing, but it was also one of the things that the moms were very quick to say, like, you're getting fat. You're, oh, this isn't right. You don't look good. Right. Because the whole idea is you want to meet a man to Mm. get married, to carry on the culture. Um, and so, but we say that in South Korea, but it's happening in America. It's happening. Right. It's happening everywhere. It just might be a different message from a different person, Mm. but the message, the underlying message is the same. And it then plays out into middle life, middle age life, when so many middle-aged women then say they feel invisible. 
Right. Which apparently really is a very common statement for middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like I hear it quite a bit of like, I just want to be heard. I just want to be listened to. I just want to feel like I'm here Yeah. instead of, and I think it's hard when you, um, for women that have raised children too, is that their identity was a mom mm-hmm. and then you, your kids go away. And I think that's why a lot of people, when they get the empty nest, they're like, Oh, now what? I didn't oh, do anything. Tell me about things. it. Right. And like, what's my identity now? My children are here. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot lot of my guests and I talk about because a lot of us are are in that same position or work with people in that same position because you have focused on one thing, kids, career. So there's probably those two things and just holding it all together through that time. And then all of a sudden you probably realize, well, actually career, I need something to do. You know, I need something different. And then, well, kids are leaving home and you really question, well, where am I in all of this? Where did I disappear to? I mean, as I said to you before when we were talking, and I said I went and hung out with some male friends. Mm -hmm. And in my current life, certainly since being in Canada, I don't have any male friends that know me as anything other than Matt's wife or um, a mum. Mm-hmm. And so those male relationships are long gone. Right. Which is tricky if that was your identity as a young, like for me, men, I was always closer to my guy friends. And me too. Yeah. And so that was a huge shift for me when I got older and started to think about, wait a minute, all my guy friends are married now. Yes. It's a shift. And and now when we get together, I, the expectation is I hang out with the wife. Yeah, I had exactly the same thing. And it's a very, very strange dynamic, especially when it comes full circle at you're the other end. And now right. much as I thoroughly value my female friends, that was very much of my life when I was younger, because yes. always doing sports, always doing outside stuff, very much with males male energy whether it's you know boys men whatever depending on the age and so now to come back to that and I think that's why it was such a weird feeling to go and hang out with my school friends who happened all to be boys because it felt like a part of me that I haven't known for so many years right. because there was no agenda no ego just hanging out with guys but we all had a life story with it and it was just yes. so unusual because yes. there's no way I'd like to be going out to, I mean, I'd be at the gym, but there might be one or two men there, but it would be predominantly women, the women I'd hang out with. Right. So it was just a really weird dynamic. And that yeah. probably is a whole different podcast, but anyway. No, no, but it's interesting, right? And I, I think it brings up the fact that like one of the things that I've been really looking into recently, because it's kind of been, that's kind of been what's been channeling in recently was like, get back to what you were like as a child in a way to remember who you were, to bring back that joy. And I was recently talking to another uh, friend of mine, who's a shaman as well. And he, I was talking to him about, he he has a podcast as well. And he was talking about um, altars. And so then the other day, it was actually yesterday, 
yesterday and the day before I was talking a lot about like pictures of us, pictures of me when I was a child Mm. and how carefree I looked and how all my pictures where I'm showing so much joy. I'm usually outside running, Mm. right. With a little like bleach blonde pigtails in my hair. And like the smile is huge on my face. And I said to him yesterday, I was like, I was outside just because this is where things come to me is when I'm outside, but I was outside drinking my coffee outside and hanging out with the pups. And all of a sudden it came to me that I need an altar to my childhood. Oh, And I was like, how cool would that be where it's like bringing things that meant a lot to me Yeah, to start thinking about what does it look like to kind of step back into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I remember like skipping down the hallway at school, yeah. right? When you saw like my best friend come in, I would be like, I'd skip to him. Yeah. Right. And now it's like, you would never skip down the hallway. <laughs> but that joy and that self-connection of like nothing mattered. Yeah. And that bring it back, yeah. tap into it. I mean, that's why I talk about it. I bought my horse at 50. So many other women, they go back to horse riding in their fifties because it's something that we did as kids. Yes. And then you don't have the time for it. And then you do. When I, and there's so, con, so much connection to a horse, right? Because Absolutely. you're, you're literally wrapped around the horse's body and like, there's just a the horse. Ground, yeah. The groundwork you do, whether you're riding or you're not. Right. It's something that so many women go back to. And guess what? The biggest issue with all of it is, is confidence. Because everything you could do as a kid, you expect to still be able to do now. And then you find you're scared. Yeah, it's like cartwheels for me. I used to do them all the time. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, what would happen if I tried it? Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah, I hear about horseback riding a lot. There's a horse that recently, I saw on the news that they bring it around to nursing homes. Oh, I can imagine. Beautiful. And it's the horse will just snuggle in, but the horse gets to pick where it goes. So it will pick what door it needs to go through to see what patient. Beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. If I can find it, I'll send it to you. Thank you. Beautiful. Right. I'm conscious of time. So. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, lovely. You can just carry on this conversation forever. And we should be doing it whilst we're walking through the forest. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we will do that someday. We'll do a summer retreat or something where we'll get together. Absolutely. I look forward to that. So, Heather, if people want to find out more or they want to do any of your outdoors work with you, or they want to even do card readings with you in the future, how can they find you? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Heather Webster Wellness. I also have a website, which is um, heatherwebsterwellness.com. Okay. And on Facebook, you can find me at HW Wellness or Heather Webster Wellness. You could type in either one. So it's been such a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. So really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you for listening in as well. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed the conversation, please come and leave a review. If you go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page, and then you'll find the ratings and review section. Please invite your friends to come and listen by sharing the link. And you can join the conversation and let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed and what topics you'd like discussed over at Facebook on the Magical Midlife group. You can also find me on Instagram at Lindsay DeSwart, where the conversation will also continue. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. And once again, 
keep living your magical midlife. <laughs>